verse starts in, in verse 20. And, and as they walked by in the morning, they passed by this as they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter remembered that Jesus had said that. And he said, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you curse is withered away. So Jesus answered him and said, have faith in God, fellas. He's always trying to teach them something. And he's always trying to show them something. And then he's always about half let down. You know, he thinks he's got them about where he wants them, and then they're scared on the boat. You know, I mean, it's always like, oh, man, you just saw great things. We fed them, we got in the boat, then you got scared again. Come on, man, you're not, you're not transferring the, the truth that you're learning here. Um, in this case, he tells them a, a truth that, that is not just for them, but for us as well. And it says, For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not, what? Doubt does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done, will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you'll have them. It's that the, the, the no doubt, saying no doubt, no doubt. That's faltering between two opinions. We say things all the time. Flippantly, maybe we're not paying attention, or we say stuff like, I doubt it. I don't think that'll happen. I don't see how that can work. And when we say those kind of things, it's, it's, it's doubt. We don't want to say it's doubt, and we want to say that we're looking at the options and we're paying attention to what's going on. But really, in our life, we're opening up the door to a second opinion. So you go back to what Elijah, how long, what Elijah said, how long will you falter between these two opinions? When you know what God said, I'm not talking about situations and times where you're not sure what God said. You're not sure what the word said. Those happen all the time. Find out. Find out what the word says. Then you know what you're supposed to stand on. Faith isn't living in your life without doubt. Faith is living in your life despite doubt. Because doubt comes against all of us. That There is an opportunity to doubt what God said right now. Today, yesterday, tomorrow. The enemy is constant. Why is he doing that? He's constantly trying to get you to change your focus, your mind, your direction, your vocabulary, your thoughts onto something other than what God said. It's a real simple trick. That's the only ploy that he has because he doesn't have any dominion or power over you because you have it as the believer. So he tries to manipulate you in such a way that, that doubt creeps in that doubt enters in. With new believers many times, it's a, it's, a, it's a question of time. Not everybody, but sometimes with new believers, they say, well, I prayed yesterday and it didn't happen today. Well, don't doubt it. I, I, do you still believe that's what God has for you? Yeah, but it didn't happen today. Okay, well, let's, let's go like two days. Let's go like three days or four days. With other believers, it's different things. But what it is, we're faced with things that are, con we know all this, this is all not this isn't brand new. We're faced with things that are contrary to what God has promised us, shown us, or is in the word. At that moment, then you and I have opportunities to decide, are we going to go that way or are we not going to go that way? We are all faced with two opportunities, his way or the other way. Jesus even said in this scripture, when you speak to the mountain, he, he didn't, that's, that's not him. When the mountain is something that's in your way from being or doing what God called you to do. So even he, when he's saying this, he's saying, when you speak to the mountain, that other side, that other thing, that picture, that thought, that doubt that keeps creeping into your mind, when you, when you see that thing, speak to it. Why? Singularly focused. I, I don't have to be double-minded. 
Jesus knew, look, you're going to face you're going to face some things. He knew we had an enemy. He told us that all along. In this particular thing, there's two opinions, the truth or the mountain. And in your life, which one are you going to, I guess you can say, lean toward, but what one are you going to believe? Elijah had had about enough. They didn't believe him, but they all freaked out when the fire came and then it started raining. You have to, he knew what God told him, that it wasn't going to rain. He told them, it's not going to rain till I say it. It's not going to rain till I tell you it's going to rain. He had a lot of opportunity in there to go back, to doubt, to do those things, but he didn't. If you go back through the New Testament and read, I find it funny. The ones who were told they had great faith and their faith did great things were all the people, not the disciples. So there's hope for all of us. I mean, it was all the, it was all the people that Jesus came into contact with, right? It was all the people that he, that, he, that he healed or all the people who came and said something to him. He said, oh, man, that's, that's, I haven't seen such great faith. We're going to look at the centurion in just a second. And the disciples, what did he say to them? Man, you guys, how can you seriously, how can you doubt that? What is wrong with you fellas? What's the deal? Now, sometimes maybe you're a little harder on the ones that you love, but I, I think it's this idea that says, look, there is truth out there, and it isn't just confined to the upper echelon of the church. That truth that's out there is for all of us. And when the, the story of the centurion comes along in, in Matthew, I think it's chapter 8, skipped ahead here a little bit, but when it, when it comes to that point, the, the thing, part of what was so interesting was this guy was, you know, I mean, he was coming to Jesus on his own. He, he came to find Jesus, it says, and he was pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said, hey, I'll come to your house and heal him. And, and, and now he almost has already taken this, this message that, that Jesus taught the disciples in Mark chapter 4. Or Mark chapter 11. What did he say? Speak to the mountain and it'll be removed. And when he comes to Jesus, he says to him in this time, because he's telling the disciples, in verse 22, have faith in God. Fellas, this is what you do. You talk to the mountain. So as you, as you, you don't go back and forth between two opinions, you talk to it, you understand authority, and you use it. And then if you jump over to the centurion, when he begins to talk to Jesus, Jesus said, I'm going to come to your house then. He said, you don't have to come to my house. But you only have to what? Speak a word. All you have to do is speak a word. He already understood that lesson. He had, the, the disciples been hanging out with Jesus for all that time. They didn't know this guy, wasn't, this guy wasn't even near Jesus. It says he came to find Jesus. I'm sure he had heard of Jesus or else he wouldn't have been there. And he came and he found Jesus and he said, I understand authority. I understand the idea that says, if I say this, my men do this. If I go here, my servant does that. You just have to speak a word and it'll be taken care of. The mountain will be cast into the sea. Now, there's nothing that says these two stories are related or hooked up together or the centurion was hanging out in the fig tree, watching the whole thing go down. It doesn't, it doesn't say any of that. But what it shows is what was said in Mark chapter 11 is extremely important for us because at the end of this story, when it was all said and done, Jesus told him, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. Well, what faith did he show? That Jesus was the healer and that all he had to do was speak a word. You don't have to come to my house. You don't have to touch him. All you got to do is say it and I know it'll be done. 
Really, that's just living the Mark chapter 11 deal that we, we just had gone back and gone through. In our world, doubt enters in and it creeps in, and doubt is debilitating. When you go back and forth between those two opinions, it'll make you crazy. It'll make you look unstable. It'll make you look like you freaked out. It'll make you look like you don't know what you're doing. It makes you look like you don't have a clue. I mean, it makes you look like really a fool. You feel like that because you start to do one thing, and then you stop, and you go back and do another thing, and you say, oh, I can't do that. Maybe I need to do this over here. You can't get any peace. Your mind's going all back and forth. How long will you falter between two opinions? So why does that happen? Why is that true? Well, if you look in James, and I'm just going through scriptures that we've talked about for a long time, but if you look in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and we know this, God will give to him liberally and without reproach. But as it goes on from there, it gets a little interesting. It says, but let him ask in faith with no what? Doubting. Let him ask in faith without doubting. Why? What does doubt do to us? If there's another opinion that enters in, not that it enters in, but that it enters in and we think about it, we receive it, we take it. You've been to the doctor and he's told you you've been violently ill and you've had to decide, what am I going to stand on and what am I going to believe? In this case, it says you've asked God for wisdom, he's given you wisdom, but you have to ask without doubting because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, what? Driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man think or suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord because he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. I don't want to do this. No, I want to do that. No, maybe I want to, I don't know. Have you ever talked to somebody or been around somebody or tried to maybe mentor or disciple somebody who had a new thing that God was telling them to do every day? It's day six of your mentoring session, and they've had seven things that God's told them they're going to be or do in those six days. They're all different. One day I'm a fireman, one day I'm a doctor. I'm just, you know, I mean, one day I'm a ditch digger, one day I'm working over here, one day I'm going to work at the grocery store, one day I'm going to, and I know that God's going to do this, and then, oh, hey, let's, you're getting unstable. You're, there's too many, too many things that are, that are coming in. You have to learn to hear from God. You have to learn to understand his word. All of those things are important. Why? Because that's what you stand on. That's your foundation. That's all you got. The spies did not get in trouble. Really, they didn't get in trouble with God because they didn't go in. They, get, they didn't get in trouble. They got in trouble with God because they didn't believe what he said. And we know that they were leaders in all of those things. And I've always taught that. And I've always said, you know what? But really, what was the, you know, I mean, they, 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 how do you know? You know, I mean, I know they're leaders. I know it said they took leaders from the tribes. I was always thinking, and I always say this, they knew what God said about that land. But I've always been like, well, how, how do you know that they knew? You know, like, that's just something I might have heard somebody tell me along the way. And so I've been asking God, like, well, how do I know that? How do I know that not just leaders, but how did I know that they, they knew what God said? And if you read in verse 30, uh, 27 of, of Numbers chapter 13, they told the people, the land in which we've gone to truly flows with milk and honey. And what did God tell them that land was going to be? A land flowing with milk and honey. So that told me, that proved to me that, you know what, they did know what God said. 
Because sometimes I'm like, well, you know, God, come on, man. These guys, you know, did they really know? And then that scripture's like, bing, bing, milk and honey. Oh, hey, I've heard that before. So they had heard the truth. They knew that that's important. You have to know what God said. They had heard the truth, and he said it's a land flowing with milk and honey. But then they went on in verse 31 and said, but we are not able to go up against them. Boom, that's the problem. Two opinions. Two opinions, milk and honey, the giants in the land. How long will you falter between those two opinions? Now, God's will is for them to go into the promised land. We know that. And God had told them, you need to go spy out the land, and you're getting ready to go in. And they said, all right, spied it out, came back, gave their report. God got a little hot with them and said to Moses, so I'm going to smote them all. And he said, hey, you know what? You love these people. Sometimes dad has to get in front of mom, and sometimes mom has to get in front of dad to keep you from killing the kids. One of those situations. And he says, hey, remember, you love them all. And boy, what would people think if you, if you killed them all? That wouldn't look good for you. So he has a little pull with God, and so God says, okay, I won't do that. But they're not going to enter the promised land. They're going to wander around there forever. Now, his best, God's will, is still for the children of Israel to enter the promised land. That doesn't go away. But this group, that is, that is changed. You have to know what God said. And God had said, they're not going in. But right after he said that, and, and, and they were told that, and they understood that as the ones who said no, what did they do? They said, oh, we'll go. We'll go, we'll go, we'll go. And they picked up their swords, and they picked up their stuff, and they said, we're going to go up the mountain. We're going to go get them. And God said, I wouldn't do that if I was you. Why? Because that, that wasn't what he had said. He said, you're not going to go in. They didn't repent. They didn't do any of those kind of things. They didn't fall on the mercy seat. They didn't throw themselves at the mercy of God. They just said, oh, man, I'm going to go. I'll go. I'll go fight. I'll go fight. And they went up and got whooped. They got whooped by, by, by all, all those folks, and they, they, didn't, they didn't make it. Two opinions. What did God say? What did you see? What did God say? What do you feel? What did God say? What do you hear? What, do you got, what did God say? What do you face? These are, I mean, this is normal. We talk about faith all the time. Well, I don't think we always think that we're doubters. I don't think we see ourselves as doubters. I, I don't see myself as doubters, but as I go through and I look at these scriptures and I kind of pay attention to what God's saying, I'm thinking, oh, I can see, you know, some of those things I'm doing or thinking or saying, yeah, those line up with, they line up with doubt. And now I can, I'm smart, and so I can kind of camouflage them as all kinds of things, being careful, being you know, cautious, and checking out all those, you know, doing all those things. But really, in the end, it comes down to the fact that, do you believe me, or do you not believe me? If you're in doubt, unbelief, that's a, that's a tough place to be. How long will you falter between these two opinions? Believe God? We don't like to say, or believe the enemy, but that's what doubt and unbelief is. Here's the deal. In Matthew, and we've talked about this, I guess, before, too, chapter 13, 58, it said Jesus was in his hometown in his area, in his place, and he was talking about how the prophet isn't necessarily as honored as he is maybe in other areas uh, at home. At home, they kind of look down on him and say, you're just the carpenter, you're just that guy. But at the end of that particular set of verses, it says he did not do many mighty miracles there because of their unbelief, because of their doubt. In, in what he was or who he was and what he could do in this earth. There was doubt there. There was unbelief. 
And it said he couldn't do any he didn't do mighty miracles in that place. Amos three three, of course, we know that scripture says, "How could two walk together unless they be in unity?" You want to know why you're unstable? Because your mind's not together. If you're if you're taking doubt, if you're taking doubt in along with what God said, then you are you're unstable. You can't be going the right direction because you got two things happening. There's no unity there. Get rid of the doubt. How long will we falter between? two opinions hopefully not long if you go to mark chapter 9 this is a young man who found himself in a place where he had his son and he'd been demon possessed and the disciples were given their all and they were trying and nothing was happening and so jesus came on the scene and this is where sometimes i am i don't know about you but sometimes i find myself here in this place i know and you probably know too that all things are possible with God we don't doubt that we don't go back on that but sometimes we don't hang on to that so hard sometimes we just we just I don't know if it's just tired or if we're just done with it or if we've just had our fill but we just kind of just let go of that I know that all things are possible Corey had shared a message a bunch of years ago about no plan b that there's no back door and there's no plan b this is what God said is all I got if it goes south, well, then I go south. Esther's thing. If I perish, well, then I, I guess I perish, but I perish doing what I felt like God told me to do. That I don't have this back and forth, back and forth, back and forth thing. But as, the, as they brought this, this, this boy to Jesus, he saw him, and immediately it says in verse 20 and 21, the, 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 spirit, the spirit that was on the side of that boy convulsed him, and he fell on the ground, and he wallowed around and foamed at the mouth. And then he asked his, Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And then he said, but if you can do anything, could you please have compassion on us and help us? And you have to know what, what he said. I mean, you've got to know what the word says. You have to know, what the, you, you have to know his side because you have to know what to believe in. If you don't, and that's where a lot of young believers or a lot of immature believers, they, they, I mean, they're trying to quote things that somebody else said or something that they saw one time and they got six scriptures all messed up and they, they don't know. They find themselves in situations a lot where it's like, I don't know what God says about this. I don't know what the word says. I don't even know how to find out about this. And the devil just whoops their tail. There's a reason why we have Victory 101 and VBI over here and VBI on DVD and church on Sunday morning, church on Wednesday. Home, we got all those home focus groups and they were here on Tuesday nights and over there on Saturday nights and over here on Sunday nights and all this. Why? So that you know the word so that you know what God's saying, so that you know how to hear his voice. That's, 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 part, that's part of it. Not just to connect with community and those kind of things, but also to help us grow in our love for him. That's like the second part of our focus group vision thing as we go down that list. And he says, if you can believe, he said, all things are possible to him who believes. There, there's action. Action breaks through doubt. Action on your part. Doesn't mean you have to physically do something, but there's words you can say, there's things that you can do, you can pray, you can move out in faith, whatever it is, there's action to what you're doing. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And he said, I believe. I believe. Not faltering between two opinions now, the one before that, the sentence before that said, if you can do anything, that's a two opinion statement if there ever was one, if you can help us, because I don't know if you can or if you can't. 
So if you could, would you please? And he said, hold on a minute. You're looking at it the wrong way. If you believe, I can. I believe. He said, help me in my unbelief. Shore me up in those areas or in this place where I can't see it, can't feel it, can't make myself go that way. That's probably the part I think as mature believers sometimes we we don't ask that question very often. Help me in this place where I'm not sure. Help me in this place where I don't quite understand what you're saying. Listen, doubt is going to come. If doubt's not coming, you're not walking in faith. Because if you can see it all go down and you don't have a doubt that it's going to happen because it's all right here in front of you and you just have to wait five minutes for this and ten minutes for that, that's not faith. Faith is out past where you are in a place where you can't do anything and you can't manufacture what you need. That opens up the door to doubt. Why didn't you move out the first time? See, why didn't, why didn't the children of Israel, why, why didn't we go out when God said do that the first time? It had to be the third time before we did it. Why? Doubt. We went. That's good. But we have to, you know, you go back and forth with this thing on the inside. I don't know. Is it God? I, I don't know. Is it God? I don't know. I don't know. Doubt, doubt, doubt. How long will you falter between two opinions? I'm preaching to me. I'm just glad y'all are here because I'm just talking to myself. So... Take whatever you want out of it, but I'm just, you know, I really am just, just talking to, to me. But he told that guy, if you believe, he said, I believe then. Help me in my unbelief. He cast that one out, and off they went down the road in their way. There's something about getting rid of doubt. There's something about being fully assured. There's something about being totally focused. There's something about that says, forget it. Come heck or high water, man, this is it. This is all I got. I don't know about you, but I've done, I've done, I've done, I've done most of my things that God told me to do when, when that was all I had. I don't necessarily say that's the easiest way to move around with God. <laughs> you want to say that you went the first time. But a lot of the times was the second, third, fifth, eighth time before we finally got frustrated enough with our doubt that we wanted what he said. That, that's, that's what happens to a lot of believers. Too bad we grow only because we get frustrated with not growing instead of growing because we want to grow in him. Two opinions. Two opinions. Do you believe or do you not believe? Help me in my unbelief. All right, you got rid of that one. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27 this is, this is the portion and passage of Scripture that talks about building your life on a firm foundation. And, and we know that it says a firm foundation. When the winds come and the rains come, the building won't be moved. And it says if you build it on the sand, the sinky sand we call it, when the winds come and the rains come, the house will be washed away. So basically it talks about making a foundation of the Word of God, the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life, and that's the firm foundation that we stand on. But if you go back to the, to the Scripture and you begin to read it, it says in the first part, therefore whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, and if you jump down past that to the next one, it says, and, and for all of he who have, have heard my sayings but doesn't do them. Two opinions. How long will we falter between these two opinions? They both heard the word. 
one person did the word, one person didn't do the word. There's, there's a faltering there. There's, a, there's, a two, there's two opinions. Now, it didn't say the same guy, but that's two different opinions, and both those opinions have things down the road that line up with them. If you look at the spies, they were sitting there knowing that God said milk and honey, but seeing the giants in the land, and they said, I, 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 I picked the giants. And there, was con- there were consequences to that down the road. They didn't get to go in the promised land. Don't get in a position in your life where you're faltering between these two opinions and you choose doubt. Hedging on doubt's not, not a great place to be. Now, we always go back and, and, and we look at our prayer journal, we look at our word, we look at what God said, we go back and God reminds us that he spoke to us. Why, do, why is all that important? Because that's where you place your faith. That's where your foundation is. That's where you build your house. It says in Ephesians, in chapter 1, verse 13, that in whom you trusted after you heard the word and believed. That God, in whom you trusted after you heard the word and believed. What did we talk about in that, lost, in that Loving the Lost series on Sundays? We said that, that, the, that the, the message of salvation, the whole principle, the whole idea is not intuitive to us, that we have to be taught or told or shown or shared what the gospel why so we can believe after we have heard the word go into all the word and preach the gospel why so after they hear the gospel they can believe so you have to hear what god says you have to know what he's promising you you have to know what's going on you have to know what's happening in your life you have to i mean it's important you don't want to go outside without knowing what, God, what God's doing in your life today. You want to be able to hear his voice, be able to turn the corner when he says turn the corner. Make the decision when he says make the decision. It's all out beyond you. And it could be a little freaky for a while. It, it, it'll make you nervous. I mean, it'll make everything kind of jiggle on you and make you all kind of shake a little bit. Do it that way. <laughs> if that's the way, eventually that'll, you'll start slowing. Now, you, you still face doubt. Fear will still come up against you, but it won't bother you like it did before because you're stronger in him. When you're little, the wind can blow you around. But as you get bigger, as you get stronger, it doesn't blow you around so much. Why? There's more of you. Spiritually, as you get into the word, there's more of him in you. And that helps ground you when the enemy comes against you can't push you around there's more of you or more of him on the inside of you and he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world abraham in romans chapter 4 we always go back here and we talk about this when we talk about wavering or we talk about doubt or we talk about unbelief or we talk about these couple different things he's such a good example i mean he's just ha. Huh. I mean, I guess that's why he's the father of faith. I mean, <laughs> he's the best example we have outside of Jesus, I suppose, in doing what God told you to do. 25 years. I'm worried about a week. I mean, if God told me and I haven't seen it, what's the deal? Microwave society, right? Crockpot God. We've said it, you know, that's the kind of way that it goes. But 25 years, it says. God told him he was going to have a baby when he was 75. When he was 100, he did. 
And all those 75 say, not here, Lord. X that out. If you read the scripture there in verse 19, it says, not being weak in faith, he did not. He did, he did some things, man. Two opinions, two opinions, two opinions. God told him, father of many nations. But when he looked in the mirror, he saw an old barren man. Every day he woke up for 25 years, father of many nations, looked in the mirror, old barren man. He had to decide, who am I? Am I the father? God wanted him to know that he was the father of many nations so much he changed his name. He took him from Abram to Abraham, said, listen, this is who you are. And it said, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. Decided I wasn't going to deal with doubt. He didn't worry about the fact that he was way beyond in his world childbearing years. I'm an old guy. Didn't worry about it. Don't you worry about it either. Sometimes, sometimes age is a doubt. They take care of it in the Word. I love it. They take care of the old people who have an issue with that. They take care of the young people who have an issue with that. Told Timothy, don't let anybody despise your youth. Then they throw Abraham out there and say, he's 100 years old and he's having a baby. Get on with it. Don't let age, don't let age be an issue. Don't let physical ability be an issue. He was was old. His body was past. Sarah, it says, her womb was dead. I'm telling, I mean, you know, we, sometimes we die, I just, I just can't, I can't do anymore. Don't let, don't let physical issues stop you from being all God called you to be. Don't let those become doubt in your mind. It goes on though, and it says, he did not waver at the promise of God. He did not go back and forth through unbelief. He was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and he was fully, fully convinced. Fully convinced. Even in the face of two opinions, he was fully convinced about God's. It's who I am. So much so, it says, that all of that was accounted to him for righteousness. And now we understand and know that he was the beginning and the father of faith that we now stand on. We go back to him and say, I got to be more like him. This old dude who couldn't have kids, but who trusted God every day for 25 years that he would have one. It says, he did not waver. Oh, that we could say in our life that in this last week, I did not waver. In this last year, I did not waver. In the last five years, I did not waver. The centurion came, and he was healed that day. The kid came, brought him to him, and the demon was cast out that day. Abraham, I don't know how many days 365 times 25 is, but that's, that's a lot. A lot of days. Every, don't, don't let time, don't let time become a doubt. Don't let your age become a doubt. Don't let your physical ability become a doubt. And don't let time become a doubt. 
due season is whenever God says it's due season, it's time. Might be today, might be next week, might be next month. But I'll tell you this, it won't be if you get in doubt. Don't allow the enemy to derail the thing that God has told you and he's promised you. Be able to get up and say, God, there ain't no doubt here. There ain't no doubt. I am with you. 100%. You tell me to stand on the corner and stand on my head in that corner, I'll do it. How long you want me to stand there? You want me to go stand on the street? I'll go stand on the street, pass out tracks. You want me to go stand at the mall, tell people about Jesus? You want me to stand in my neighborhood? You want me to knock on the doors of my neighborhood? You want me to give out? What do you, what, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Devil telling you all kinds of things. You can't do that. You're too old. You don't know how. There isn't time. All those things. What are people going to think? They're going to then, hey, what's God going to think? Huh? Don't let doubt debilitate your faith. Amen? Let's stand up. I'm going to pray. Because I see some faithful folks, not doubters. Not doubters. Even to the end. If you go to the end of Luke, I'm telling you, sometimes we, 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 and the disciples were great guys. Sometimes we pump them up and we don't think, whoa, I don't know if I could be like that. Listen, even at the end, in the end of Luke, when Jesus is about to ascend, even Thomas said, I doubt it was him. Thus the name Doubting Thomas. Even at the end, he said, I wouldn't believe it if I touched it. If I touched it, if I saw it, I would begin to believe it. But until I touch that hole and until I see his sign, I'm not going to believe that. And Jesus said, it's so much better for you if you would have believed having not had to touch it and see it. Can you believe without that? In your life, I don't know what God's told you. I don't know what you faced. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.